Welcome to the Wealth with Purpose podcast, where people come to learn what the Bible says about money, wealth and business. Be inspired by some of the greatest Christian thinkers and commentators from around the planet. Enjoy this episode with your host, Alex Cook. Well, we like to catch up with Alex Cook and fresh from the Marriage and Money Tour. Alex Cook, a special welcome back to 2020. Thanks, Neil. Great to be back with you. Hey, Alex, uh, what was the best part of the Marriage and Money Tour? You got together with our friends at Focus on the Family, Brett and Kate, and uh, you were there. You did a number of dates, uh, primarily East Coast. But uh, what, was the, what was the highlight for you? Uh, well, for me, the highlight was actually meeting listeners. So at some of the events, we got to meet uh, listeners. And in fact, I'm having a great conversation with a vision listener and just, just hearing their story, hearing what's going on in their life. And of course, you meet people from all sorts of age groups facing different things. And uh, yeah, so I find it just, a, I just love getting out and talking to people and uh, learning what's going on in, in their worlds. And then, because that then, of course, helps us to sharpen up what you and I do and, and, you know, look at how we can teach them and share with them biblical wisdom. So it's just great being out there and uh, enjoying being with uh, people. And no doubt you forge some wonderful friendships. Um, just thinking of the likes of Brett and Kate Ryan. And, uh, you know, they're just a fabulous couple and lots of regular listeners know their names as well as they know Alex Cook. But uh, great to be on tour with them. Oh, absolutely. In fact, funny enough, um, I, I felt really blessed just listening to them speak. You know, I obviously talked the money side. They talked the marriage side. But I felt my own marriage was going to be enriched uh, just from, from listening to them. Uh, you know, listening to their various talks, um, they, they just gave fantastic advice. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd really just encourage listeners to access some of the, you know, we had the webcast with you guys, and obviously they can access that video and get some of the wisdom that Brett and Kate shared. So I'd encourage that. But the, the other thing interesting when you talk about the friendship side of it is I had, you know, a couple of people come to me and say that they felt like they knew me because they've been listening to me on air. So that was just a, a lovely uh, reward for, you know, for what we do. So Nothing great. like putting a face to a name, and uh, I know listeners do appreciate uh, just seeing someone like you face to face and getting to hear even a, you know a longer and more in depth opportunity. Because sometimes we have to gloss over things when we're on a short segment like this. But hey, let's get into it. Let me just yep. start with the fact that here we are on the first Tuesday of the month, and so many who've got a mortgage. This day seems to have rolled around really quickly because the likelihood is we're going to see another interest rate rise today. A general thought or two from you around the fact that, you know, here we are going again and mortgages yeah. are going to go up? Yeah, well, look, this will be, the I think, the 10th uh, straight rise, so 10th month in a row. Uh, we're expecting, you know, the, the general consensus is another quarter of a percent. Uh, and of course, that's going to flow through to mortgages pretty much uh, straight away. Banks are pretty quick to pass that on these days. Uh, and of course, that puts people under more mortgage stress. Um, you know, interestingly, the Reserve Bank did a survey, which they released about a month ago, saying that for with rates to go up one more time, almost 20% of mortgage holders would be negative cash flow. And of course, that puts the challenge to them that they're then forced to choose how are they going to allocate their money? It doesn't mean they're going to default on their home loan, but it just means amongst all your options on how you spend your money, you're going to now have to make some tough decisions and look at what you're going to cut back. So it's a very, uh, it's a huge societal issue now. Um, and uh, yeah, and it's 
you know, the talk is that there's still probably one or two more rate rises to come. Of course, no one knows, and it's all going to be uh, based on the data that gets released over the coming months. And of course, uh, whether or not they can get inflation under control, that's, that's the big thing they're desperate to do. They want to bring inflation down, and that'll be good for all of us, because what you don't want to see is price of everything rising at 10% per annum. And, uh, you know, we're already seeing that with rents and groceries and petrol, etc. So yeah, it's a it's a serious issue. They're doing their best to get it under control, um, but it's not an easy task because there's a huge lag effect. So they may put up rates today, but that doesn't flow through to the economy immediately. It may take a couple of months. So it's a, it's a challenge for the Reserve Bank. Uh, it's a challenge for everyone, isn't it? And I know that during the marriage and money tour, there were a lot of questions people had around interest rate rises and the pressure on their finances. Uh, let's just make reference to a listener question here. Ronald and just to praise the sorts of things that he was uh, requesting some insight on, uh, a small amount left on his home loan. Uh, should I take money out of super and pay off my home loan? Um, not everybody's even in that sort of position, but what are your thoughts here for Ronald? Yeah, look, it's a question that does come up from time to time. Uh, and so the best, best way to answer is obviously we can't give advice on air, but what we can do is just give the, the pros and cons here. So people have got to remember what super is for. And of course, it's for retirement, but it's also the it's a low tax environment. Your money out of super, you're taking it out of an environment that has 15% tax when you're working and 0% when you're retired. So it has a potential negative consequence over the long term if you have that money outside of super. Uh, the flip side, and I know uh, Ronald in his uh, email mentioned to us that he was um, 65 and therefore thinking, oh, he wants to clear his mortgage, which I can completely understand. So the positive, though, of taking it out of super is you have the absolute certainty of the debt being repaid, okay? Because if you think about your options, you can have your money invested and therefore be subject to markets going up and down. And, uh, you know, Ronald made some comments about some of the challenges in the world at the moment, particularly geopolitical activity that's, you know, simmering versus the absolute certainty of debt repayment. Because once you pay off the debt, you know, it's gone. And therefore, um, that's a serious uh, benefit and may give people a lot of peace of mind. Um, it's a hard question to answer directly without knowing someone's true circumstances, their income needs and a range of other factors. But it's important that you, you just understand the consequence. So positive, yep, absolutely, the debt's cleared um, and you have that certainty versus the uncertainty of investment. But you're taking your money out of a low tax environment, which has, has lots of long term benefits for you. Um, just the other part of his question, though, was around fixed loans versus variable. And uh, one of the, the key things he wanted to know here is, you know, should he essentially repay the fixed loan? Now, Generally, most banks will penalise you. It's what we call break costs if you repay the fixed portion of your loan. Um, so what you need to do before you do that is you always ring the bank and say, if I was to pay out um, the fixed portion of the loan, what would be the fees? What is the break cost um, for doing that? And the bank will give you a quote saying this is what it's going to cost you. And then you can make a decision as to whether it's worthwhile or not. Because at the end of the day, it's just a numbers game and you want to come up with the most favourable numbers in your favour. So important thing to just be careful with fixed loans because often they do come with penalties when you repay them. 
And Alex, for those listeners, uh, those mortgage holders who were on fixed loans and coming off those fixed loans early this year, as it was predicted that it would be tens or hundreds of thousands would, and now being faced with an interest rate rise, I guess you've got to be extra attentive to how every dollar is spent if you're working fairly tightly on your uh, your revenue versus your expenses. Any thoughts for people who are now really moving into a time of pain where the they're really feeling the yeah. bite of these interest rate rises? Yeah, so look, this is a huge issue. I think they estimate roughly a third of home loans were fixed during the COVID period. And so it's something like nearly 800,000 households will be affected by it. They're referring to it as the mortgage cliff uh, of these people coming off their fixed loans this year. So a couple of things I would suggest that they potentially consider. One is obviously refinancing the home loan to try and get the best possible deal. Another option may be to consider looking at fixed rates at the time and asking yourself how much more could, if rates were to go up much more, how much more could we handle before we'd risk being at default or not being able to pay our other bills? So refixing may be an option for some people, not necessarily everyone, because it's, it was, say, it's circumstance driven. Um, I would also really encourage people in advance to do a budget and work out what expenses are fixed and what expenses are variable. In other words, what things can you cut out? So if all of a sudden your home loan jumps 45%, which is what the average home loan has jumped over the last 12 months so far, if, if, if you have that, that sort of jump, the, the question is, well, what waste can you cut out of your budget so that you can make sure you can continue to repay your loan? If you've still got surplus, I would seriously consider making extra repayments to get the loan down as much as you can. Also, that'll allow you to build up a buffer. So you've got margin in your finances. So if you lose your job and things like that, you're not going to be in a position where you're forced to sell. You know, you've got time on your hands to, to regather and reboot. Um, so there, there, there are a couple of little things. Um, and at the most extreme, you know, house prices are down, depending on which state you look at, but they're down about 10, 15%. At the most extreme, some people might have to be, you know, seriously consider um, selling if they're finding themselves that it's just all too much. Because sometimes the um, that pressure is, is is too much. You get yourself into more and more trouble, and it may well be worth actually selling. Now that's at the more extreme end, um, and taking advantage of the fact that prices in Australia are still very high historically. So yes, they've come off, but they're still very very high. Housing's still very expensive. So it may be worth considering that at the extreme level. Well, we are taking calls on 1-800-316-316 if you have a question. Uh, just a short segment today. So 1-800-316-316. Hey, we wanted to touch on estate planning today too. The thought that uh, all my worldly goods, I'm going to leave them to somebody someday, some, hopefully not for a long time, down the track. Uh, planning to pass yeah. on, you know, the assets of your life to the next generation. Is there a Christian approach to the planning that you might have around a will or estate planning, Alex? Yeah, look, this, and there's probably two key points I'd make on it from a Christian perspective. Um, you know, people often say, that, you know, who am I going to leave my money to or our money if they're married? So I say to people, actually, let's reframe that. And think of it in the context of Psalm 24, where it says the earth is the Lord's and all that dwell in it. Uh, and, and look at it and say, actually, it's actually God's money. So who am I going to leave God's money to? 
because then it becomes a bigger question of stewardship and a bigger question, I think, of accountability. You know, God, one day when we stand before him, we, we have to give an account of how we've lived our lives and what we've done with the resources he's given us. So I'd say to people, think to yourself, what would be good stewardship with this money? Whose hands would I want them to end up in? You know, is it, um, yes, our kids, which is obviously the first one that most people think of, but are there other organisations um, that God wants me to sow into um, as, as that final act of stewardship in leaving your legacy uh, on the world? And I think that is the, the big question that we need to grapple with from a Christian perspective. And it comes from a view that the money we really have is God's, not ours. Is it really quite a, 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 a probably a, a wisdom-based, sensible thing uh, to mm. say it's not all all to one and none to another? Because, you know, a lot of people will be saying, well, you know, the worldly wealth that we have uh, gained, we want to pass that on to our kids. We don't want our kids to uh, live in poverty as the next generation beyond us. If I gave it all to the church or all to a mission organization, but is it is it pretty well a wise sort of thing, though, to say not all to one and none to another, but you could break things down? Is there the possibility? I mean, when you talk about, you know, the legacy of the gospel, and so many of us are passionate about that, about how we might be able to fund some uh, distinctive initiative, uh, but also look after our kids. 100%. And, and I certainly always recommend people do a bit of both. Um, firstly, you want to, you know, you bless your children. You want to get them set up for the future. Many of them will have mortgages and things like that. The, 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 the danger, I think, with leaving too much to your kids is you just boost their lifestyle rather than boost their, um, you know, appleship issue with your kids to some degree. But you, And, of course, these days an enormous problem is people contesting wills. So if you leave your kids out of the will, there's every chance they would contest it anyway in a court of law. So I always say very important to, to leave them something. But then you've got to balance that out and say, well, look, as you say, you want to leave a legacy. We want to um, ensure kingdom activity is advanced and accelerated. And so we need to say, right, who, which organisations, whether it's our local church, whether it's the various ministries that God's put on our heart, we want to make sure that we can sow into those. And, you know, it's really sowing into them for one final time. You know, it's your final act of stewardship. And uh, you want to be able to do that and, and do that very uh, in a very considered fashion. But it'll also be circumstance driven. You know, if you've got kids where they're, um, uh, say you've got a child that's disabled or a child that uh, needs extra assistance, then you may account for that in that sort of decision making. If your kids are all grown up, they own their own homes already. You know, if you're 85 and your kids are 55 or 60 and they've already paid off their homes, then maybe you don't need to give them as much. They may be expecting it, but maybe you don't need to because they're already well catered for anyway. So there's all those kind of things to consider. And the other thing I'd say is actually talk to your family about it. Don't just make all these decisions in isolation. You want to make people aware of what the thinking process is and why, because it's a great chance to test their heart, but also to make sure that expectations are managed so there's not a great deal of disappointment post-death. So very important issues to think through. And just on this comment, a lot of people with estate planning, they just don't think about it nearly enough. It's kind of, I'll do a will, I'll give it to my kids and that's it. This is an issue we really need to think through and prayerfully consider how we go about it because it's a big opportunity. And these days, many people have accumulated a lot 
and we want to be very wise with how we distribute that and to whom we distribute it to. Alex, the importance of having a will. Uh, you might have a will and it might need to be updated every now and then, get some advice there too, but, uh, but a lot of people just have no will and assume everything will just pass on to their family. But uh, give us your insight here. Why is it important to have a will? Yeah, well, I think statistically in Australia, more than 30% of people die without a will. Uh, it's what we call dying intestate. Uh, and when that occurs, you're actually subject to a state formula. So in other words, depending what state of the country you live in, that state government has a formula that will determine how those assets are distributed. Now, it usually starts with a surviving spouse, then kids, and then aunts and uncles. You know, there's, there's a sort of a, a, if you like, a family tree on how it's distributed. But the, the big problem with that is that obviously it may end up in the wrong hands. It may end up in the wrong hands at the wrong time. So, for example, if you pass away prematurely and you've got a 10-year-old son, the last thing they need to earn, you know, inherit is a million dollars. And so as soon as they get to 18, they go and blow it on a fancy car. So there's all these kind of things to consider. And having a will is really about making sure it ends up in the right hands at the right time and with the right amount. So they're the three principles. If you want to bring about peace around the situation, the formula is right hands, right amount at the right time. And that's the philosophy when you're thinking about how you distribute your assets and why a will is so critical to that. And Alex, when we often say you've got lots of great resources on your website at wealthwithpurpose.com, is there some content there that can help people with their estate planning? Yes, if they go into the search function, uh, I don't think we've got any specific ebooks on it, but we do have quite a few uh, blog articles on it. So if they go into the search function at wealthwithpurpose.com and just type in estate planning, that should bring up quite a few articles around it that they can surf through and get uh, get information. And I'd also encourage listeners to talk to um, a solicitor because ultimately it's a solicitor that needs to draft the documents associated with these. Um, and yeah, it's, it's worth spending the small amount of money uh, to do it properly and do it right. Okay, Alex, great catching up as always. Let me say how listeners can connect with you. I mentioned wealthwithpurpose.com, free ebooks, the My Toolkit, free videos, podcast content, blog content. You can also follow Alex on Facebook and on Twitter. Alex Cook, thank you so much for another update today and uh, look forward to again talking soon. Thanks, Neil. Great to be with you as always. Thanks for tuning into the Wealth with Purpose podcast. For more great biblical wisdom and free resources, please visit www.wealthwithpurpose.com.